Welcome to the Divorce Podcast, a podcast that explores divorce, separation and co-parenting here in the UK, countering the often sensationalist way it's portrayed in the media, challenging the status quo and driving for reform. On each episode, I'm joined by experts to discuss divorce, separation and co-parenting from different angles. I'm Kate Daly, a relationship counsellor and divorce coach, co-founder of Amicable and host of the Divorce Podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Ulrika Johnson. Ulrika is a Swedish television presenter and writer. She has an illustrious TV career, including TV AM, Gladiators, Shooting Stars, and Celebrity Big Brother, to name just a few. Ulrika has been married three times and has four children from her marriages. Her personal life has been widely documented in the media, and Ulrika has spoken candidly about each of her three divorces. She and her exes have navigated co-parenting and blended families for over 25 years, and I'm hoping today she'll share some of her valuable experience with us. Welcome, Ulrika. Thank you, Kate. Now, Ulrika, I'd like to start, if I may, with something that's quite personal to me and which I think that we share, and that is that we've both been divorced more than once. And it's <laughs> it's not something I really talk about much, but knowing you were you're going to be guesting with us, I started to think about it. Tell me about your experience of divorcing more than once. Well, like you say, it's not something that you really want to dwell on. One failed marriage is perhaps, you know, understandable. Two, people start to wonder, and I've got a third one up my sleeve as well. And for me, just the actual prospect of contemplating a third failed marriage was enormous and the first time that I divorced was around 1995 and I was absolutely terrified it was such a big deal it was such a big thing because you're dealing with not just the emotional but there's a legal side to it too and so I was quite frankly absolutely terrified and and I think probably there were lots of aspects to that, worrying about our child that we cared for. There was a lot of anger, not on my part, but and it, it wasn't my choice to get divorced, but I perfectly understood why it would happen. So I had to sort of take it on the chin. And I mean, I have um, <laughs> lots to talk about when it comes to divorce, so differing experiences really each time. What were the main differences then? So the first divorce, you say, you know, you were terrified. Did you feel less scared or was it something different when you then divorced a second time? Yeah, I think that's that's almost fair to say in that I had gone through it once before. So I was preparing myself or was prepared in many respects. But yeah, the first time it was, you know, fear of the unknown and how to navigate all the various legal legal aspects of it and the second time I really just wanted to get it over and done with I felt like this process I just want to get this over and done with and I want this to be quick because it was painful before and so I had to you know deal with a lot of different things in the second divorce but I very much took charge of the situation and was sort of trying to push forward I guess in a way and but I mean, as you know, it's very difficult. You're, you've got two people at probably the lowest point of their life in terms of their relationship. And that's the time when you really need to be communicating, compromising. It felt like an impossible task. And, and again, very, very 
very scary. It is, isn't it? It's at the point where you are at your lowest, you need to be at your best. And it's that kind of contradiction that just seems to make divorcing such a difficult thing to master. And I guess it's interesting to hear you say that although you have been divorced three times and I've been divorced twice, I don't think I got any better at it. But maybe you feel you did. By the third time, Ulrika, did you feel like, right, I know what I'm doing now? Did it somehow feel simpler to you? Or what what changed the third time? Well, I guess that the third time was the facility of being able to do the divorce online. And I had a husband who was not, again, I was the driving force. I'd spent a long time trying to save the marriage, rescue it, whatever terminology, I, I work on it. And I think you reach a point where I, I remember very clearly the day where I just knew, no, I can't do this anymore. And then you're overwhelmed with all sorts of other feelings because then you know what lies ahead. But but the prospect of being able to do it online meant, again, a feeling of control, I guess. I had a, a very compliant sort of ex-husband, well, husband at the time, I told him, I'm starting this process online. And he said, fine. I said, do you want to discuss any of the things that I'm writing? Or said, no, you just do it. And I always think I'm quite fair. So it felt like it felt like that I was being a responsible uh, and a good <laughs> soon-to-be ex-wife. But again, I, yeah, so there was no fighting at that point there was no battle there was no, nothing so in in that respect it was a really um, not painless that's absolutely not true but it was an easy process the process yeah, simpler mm-hmm. yes yeah. which I know is something that you know we've sort of touched upon before the whole prospect of, of, of making divorce easier or less painful because honestly and, and you know this emotionally oh my gosh I was absolutely completely gutted I felt that it was the worst thing because I felt this was my longest marriage we'd been together for about 12 years and and it really was kind of felt like the end of the world to me that this hadn't worked out there wasn't a cell in my body that had any doubts about that marriage lasting I was so sure it was forever so dealing with that was tough enough in itself but if you were to add then a really painful legal process I don't know how I would have coped so you didn't involve lawyers at the start of the process then you did the divorce part online as you say and how did that then sort of ease the process I think because the feeling was very much that I had before was that not only do you have yourself and and your husband or yourself and your partner or yourself or your wife whoever whoever you are divorcing and but you then have two other teams your team and their legal team and so suddenly I shouldn't say fight but the argument becomes much bigger so you may you know beforehand it's been the two of you maybe battling or struggling to hold things together but suddenly you're involving more people and that to me I I really feel that was the most difficult thing so having a very neutral place which was on screen basically doing it online a neutral place where I didn't feel anyone was arguing back at me nobody was necessarily questioning me I was allowed to say my piece and that felt like 
absolutely the right way to, to have to have that terrible situation dealt with. So it, so it sounds like just making sure you didn't polarise yourself into two camps and then, as you say, get people lining up behind you almost. That sounds like that was one of the kind of key things that benefited you from not having to go through that typical legal two sides process. Yes, and I am very kind of, I'm a great worrier. I worry for the world. I'm a real worry, Wendy. I, I worry about everything. And I think, you know, certainly the first time I got divorced, it was the fear of the unknown. I had absolutely no idea what I was, what was going to happen or how it was going to happen. But the worry that I had, even, even the third time, you know, it was so tremendous. And emotionally, you're, you are broken. And psychologically, you're at the end of your tether. So the, the prospect of having two, teams and having another battle and and that's like you say that's the battle and it's awful to word it like that but that's the 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 struggle or the fight that you need the most energy for at the time when you have the least to give and I was lucky in in many respects that I had you know my ex-husband was very he just accepted it if you see what I there was no he he didn't object but but I I you know it was really very you know very difficult yeah it sounds painful and I think that fear of escalation is something that really resonates not just with me but lots of people that real worry that this is somehow going to get out of control and spiral because so many other people are involved I think that's something that you know is, is a really common feeling and something that when we look at new ways of helping people divorce something that's really at the forefront of our mind just trying to allow people to keep that sense of control as you were saying and be the masters of their own destiny and have that self-determination to be able to move on I mean it, it strikes me that the getting better at being able to move on is a really fundamental skill because as we live longer it perhaps becomes less statistically likely that we stay with one person for the whole of our lifetime. And I, I kind of believe then, if that's the case, as a society, we need to get a lot better at ending relationships. And I think we need to talk about it more. And, you know, I'm really delighted that you've uh, come on the podcast to talk about ending relationships, because it's important. And it's something that doesn't get covered very often. Do you feel that that's important too? Do you think that the perception of has changed and that it's okay now to talk about ending relationships? Well, I always try to talk about it because my view is that the end of a relationship shouldn't always be deemed as a failure because I firmly believe that relationships do run their course and sometimes they absolutely have to end for, for, for far more genuine and dramatic and uh, reasons but sometimes or often as we now know statistically um, relationships do sort of come to a close I mean I wonder if some people think that I'm hi hypocritical saying that because then they're saying well why if you believe in marriage and you've believed in it three times at the same time you're saying you do understand that relationships come to an end but uh, my feeling is of course as we stand there and as we believe in staying with somebody forever you know the day that you make that promise not a day that you make that promise you, you make that promise continually I think as you're in in a relationship you you truly mean that and that's that's your intention and and I think 
divorce, obviously, for generations gone by, was socially unacceptable. It was abhorrent and, you know, it, it was deemed definitely as there was something wrong with you if, if that happened. There must be something fundamentally wrong with you if someone can't stay married to you or you can't stay married to somebody else. And I feel that we need to bring the conversation around certainly around divorce to being a far more positive conversation. I know that sounds, potentially that sounds like a dreadful thing to say, but I think we need to ease the burden on people and not to make it such a horrendous taboo that makes people fearful of the word itself even. And we need to not, because all it does is it, it engenders judgment all the time as soon as you say oh they're getting divorced you immediately want to know why and what who's to blame who's to blame what happened there then so I'm very much about trying to bring that conversation around to being a lot less it's a very lonely place as you know getting divorced yeah it's really really lonely I mean you have your friends you have your supporters but at the end of the day it's just fundamentally a really lonely place to be yeah and you're losing that closeness to somebody who shares the interest in your children aren't you and that's I think that's what I feel in particular I don't have a good relationship with my ex and when something happens to our children you know the person you want to talk about it to is your ex and I I find that the hardest because you know we don't have that kind of relationship and uh, you know that I wonder you know what you feel about the importance of trying to keep a positive relationship when you have children, because you have children from your different marriages, don't you? Yes, I do. So I have, biologically, I have four children by four fathers, although my ex-husband adopted my second child because her biological father is not in her life uh, and never has. So that was really wonderful. And I felt that when I divorced my last husband, (laughs) My most recent divorce, the difficulty was he. I felt like he'd been my best friend. So all the things that I wanted to talk to him about, like you say, I couldn't. But the interesting thing, I guess, about us was that we made a really great team, a team rather than, I guess, couple in many respects. We made a great team co-parenting. And I think that that's what helped us it, it, it was it was the f- a focus for whatever went on after our marriage had ended. So if you, so I don't know what I would do if I didn't. I mean, I had some bumps in the road with my first husband. We definitely took a long time before we became sort of friends again. Um, but you have that shared interest, which is a child or more than one child. And you have to, I mean, that's the most heartbreaking thing for me that I witness is when people can't communicate with their exes or find it very difficult to because of all the residual anger and frustration from the relationship gone by. I have been extremely lucky. I'm on good terms with, well, I don't really need to deal with my first ex-husband because our son is 26 now, so he, he he's adult. But there were times when it was very difficult. And I, my main thing was to shield my son from that. I didn't want him to feel that animosity. And I know that he did. I know that there were times when he did. But, you know, that was my, that was my main focus. 
So you have essentially a blended family now then, do you, Ulrika? So you've got various children from various marriages. And how do you make that work? You must be the most phenomenally organized person in terms of children's schedules and everything. I mean, crikey. Well, I guess as time goes on, it becomes slightly easier because they get older and they can make their own decisions and whatever. So two of my children are deemed adults of 26 and 20. But yes, there was a time where, you know, and there were different arrangements with the two ex-husbands. So I only ever dealt with sort of two ex-husbands and I was married to one, obviously. And so they were different. So one husband had, uh, one husband, this sounds so dreadful. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. It's, it's, it's real life, though, isn't it? That's the point. That's why it's so interesting because this is the sharp end of what people really want to know and understand, isn't it? Is how do you make it work when you've got, as you say, complicated arrangements with various people and children going here and ever? So, so tell us, yeah, how how did you make it work? Well, so there were different arrangements, and one ex-husband had his son every weekend, and I'd have to really, which meant that. I got the kind of bum deal, so to speak, because I just had the Monday to Friday and I didn't get the sort of recreational time. And then the other one was every second weekend or whatever else. There, honestly, Kate, I don't know how much time, how much of my life, well, we know I've had four children, so we know I was pregnant for a, for a total of 36 months, so three years of my life I've spent being pregnant. But I wonder how much of my life has been spent organizing and negotiating and compromising and I have to tell you even though you can get on with your exes there have been moments there have been and and they still sort of sometimes happen where there is discussions about who's having who and where and when and how and well hang on a minute that was my weekend no but I need her that and I think it's almost like um well, compromise is the key word. And choosing your battles. This is one lesson that I definitely learned is choosing your battles. Do not fight for something which isn't entirely crucial or fundamental to what, what you need in your life. Maybe you can save that battle for something that you really need and fight for. So I, I, I've tried to, I've had to grin and bear it and sort of bite my tongue sometimes. And also, I think it's about the language you use when you talk to each other too. Just sort of how, you know, there have been absolute moments of fuming anger and huge disagreements and, and whatever. But and and it's very difficult, I think, because I'm I think I'm very good at compromising. Uh, well, clearly I must be because I'm having to organise various children and, and situations. So I do think I'm very good at at compromising. But you need two people to compromise, don't you? And I think that's the really, really hard thing, that if you feel that you're constantly on the back foot or you're constantly the one saying, oh, all right, then, then I think it becomes very wearing. It becomes very tiring and it, it depletes uh, what you have. So I think it's choosing your battles, choosing your moments. It's about wording and trying to sound reasonable. That communication between you, I think you're right, is so important, isn't it? And I think one of the things that, you know, I try and talk to people about is acknowledging that the relationship has moved from this intimate, romantic, married relationship 
and it's moving towards a more transactional relationship where you have to be a bit more almost business-like. And I, you know, we've talked about this in some of the other podcasts where actually you're trying to create a new way of communicating and you have to step back from all the squidgy names and that kind of stuff and, and get a little bit more formal in your communication in order just to make that separation and to be able to deal with kind of the business in hand, which is kind of the movement of the children or whatever it is that you're trying to negotiate together, isn't it? I don't, I don't know whether you feel you made a conscious shift or whether it was a bit more subtle than that. Well, and also, of course, you're dealing with like the most precious thing that you have in your life, which is your child. So it, it, it honestly is like the most impossible, seemingly impossible task. I think it's a question of time. I think time, it's not about necessarily just time as a great healer, none of that, because, it, but, but time is a great indicator of sort of distance from the person that you've been with. It, it moves you further away from, as you said, that intimate setting where you were united and unified in, well, not always, but, you know, a loving care. You were in that sort of situation. I, I mean, it's very hard to think of things dealing with things in, a, in an official capacity or in a business-like way because you're dealing with your children and they're not possessions they're, they're not possessions they're you know they're they're beings and 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 people but I think I definitely made a very conscious effort to be more formal as time went on I think that it was very difficult at the beginning if I'd suddenly come out and been very direct and very whatever very officious about things I was very conscious that that might have been inflammatory so I think I tried to keep things as soft as possible but then I go back to what I said before it takes two people to do that we need both people to behave in the same way and how on earth can you both be on the same page if you decided you don't want to be together anymore so I think that is a really difficult thing I always try and and think and it's very easy because I would forget it at times in my absolute anger and frustration but trying to keep the focus on the children and it's damning really to think that when you've decided that you don't want to be with somebody anymore you have to carry on dealing with them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you thinking? It's like I, I, there is a reason why I am drawing a line in the sand and moving away. I, I don't want to have you in my life, but I am going to have to have you in your life. So that, in a way, I think I, I remember speaking to a well-known person, actually, who had children with somebody. And he said, oh, I don't want to get married. And I said, but Peter, that's all I'm going to say. I said, but Peter have children together your children will outlast you know last long they're there forever your marriage might not so the whole fallacy that you'd suddenly be more tied down because you got married is a joke you have children together you are connected forever and I mean that's one sort of consideration I guess that people don't really think about so much I think that's you've hit the nail on the head there, haven't you? Because that almost brings us full circle back to the beginning, which is if you have a, a really poor process when you divorce, then you are setting the tone for that co-parenting relationship. Whereas if you put some thought and investigation into looking for a process that's going to help you 
ultimately co-parent, you're going to have a much smoother ride, aren't you? Oh, I think I 100% agree. And, and that's why I so admire and love what you're doing, because I wish everybody could experience and and sort of have a taste of what it is that you are trying to do. Setting the tone is so important. It's 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 absolutely crucial. And and I because it, it well I don't know how you are, but it affects me profoundly. The whole I don't like I don't like not getting on with people. And I don't yeah, like conflict. That. No, me neither. Which is a bit funny when you think about what we do. But yeah, <laughs> I'm sort of staggered because I always think I imagine you as being terribly brave and and very sort of like um. I'm very thin. I'm very thin-skinned. I get very affected by, you know, words and other people's. I don't know other people's behaviour towards me or whatever. It, it really, really does affect me. And so, yeah, I think the, those initial stages or just how how the divorce ends is really, really important. I guess I was thinking about this actually the other day. Well, I'm not. I'm lying. I think about this a lot. <laughs> how I like to have, I like to have things tied up neatly and nicely. I like nice, neat lines drawn under things. I want there to be not happy conclusions because you can't get that. But when relationships or encounters or whatever come to a close, I don't like it when it's up in the air or it's heavy with you know anger and contention. It's very unsettling for me. I guess with divorce, you're not always going to get that. Well, I, I think psychologically, that's what anybody would want, isn't it? A nice and a good ending. And I think if you can achieve that in your relationship, a good ending, that's as good as you can hope for. I don't think divorce will go away. We know fewer people are marrying and therefore more people are cohabiting. And we know that cohabiting relationships are five times more likely to break down. So we are, as a society, going through a period of, of change where our relationships don't last as long. And so I think the hope for me and, and you know, the part of the real sort of reason I get out of bed in the morning is, is to try and help bring some skill to something which I feel is, is more and more required. And that's the positive ending of relationships so that you can protect children and move on. And, and it's become incredibly important. So sounds like, you know, you've you've lived that experience. It's my theory, but it's your experience, isn't it? That you've been able to protect your children by being the person to reach out, to create that peace and to acknowledge that you need as the adults to be able to work through the divorce in order to get to the, the co-parenting, which is the important bit. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting when you sort of put those facts out there about the, you know, the breakdowns of the statistics of, of you know, the breakdowns of relationships and, and, and everything. I think that's a reality that we need to kind of be discussing far more openly and and without so much sort of stigma attached to it. And, and I mean, I'd be I'm sure you might be interested too, but like I, I'd be so interested to know why it is that this hap it's happening, and and maybe it's I guess it's that thing of um, I mean I've always refuted that sort of assumption that people make that if you make something easier to talk about something like divorce, you're 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 somehow denigrating marriage itself, and 
we shouldn't make it easier for people to divorce. We should make it more difficult. Well, no, absolutely not. We definitely should not be making it more difficult. It's an absolutely, it can be a horrendous experience. What we do need to talk about is that it can be a really good, it can be a good experience. You should be able to have a good ending. I, I mean, I don't know how many cases of that there are. I wonder what the statistics of that of that is of people being able to have good endings. As you were saying earlier, it's not something we talk about, is it? We talk about divorce, we see it as an end point, and then we don't really ever talk about what happens next unless it's something going wrong. So I think getting helping people to talk about that next stage, that transition from parent to co-parent is really interesting and something that, you know, we could spend hours talking about. But <laughs> I think and it's so interesting when you sort of package it up like that and you say that you know divorce is the end point and actually no it's divorce is actually the beginning of a completely different life and a completely different situation which nobody is equipped to deal with because well I mean second time I divorced obviously I'd had well we are now aren't we come on Positively, we're positively experts. We're experts and specialists in our field, but it is—it's so true. It's—and I'm very—I'm actually very—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm fascinated by psychology. I'm very interested in why we behave the way we do. I've always been like this, so I'm actually very nosy when people sort of talk to me and they say they're divorced or they have children or whatever or the arrange. I'm very nosy about the arrangements because I—I want to hear what how other people are doing it. What what are we how are you doing it how are you dealing with it and of course at our age if we're going to start dating other people they're going to come with their own baggage if they're our age or even just a few years younger they're bound to have children and arrangements exactly and actually maybe of no interest I think we touched upon I touched upon it when we were talking last time but the, the the idea of how they deal things in Sweden where they they divide the child in half time-wise so you 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 have your child for a week and then you don't have your child for a week and my sister who is 10 years younger than me so she's coming up to 44 when she's been dating and things she says well I've got my child this week but the guy that I'm seeing he's got his child the following week so seeing each other's a nightmare and and the lack of the lack of kind of compromise there was so written in stone it felt very I feel lucky in a way that I have very fluid situations with my exes that I can we can chop and change and it's not written in stone I think that's actually a really important it it can be difficult for the children if it's so fluid that the children don't know what's happening but I think that whole prospect of things being much much more kind of relaxed and fluid is is really, really important I'm going to do a shameless plug now, or we can, we have an app called the Amicable Co-Parenting app. So if anyone's listening and they want some help and advice on the types of patterns you can create for your children, um, so they see both of you, then you can download the app uh, wherever you get your apps from. But it's the Amicable Co-Parenting app. So it can help with setting out some of this stuff. And also, you know, not everyone is as superhuman as you, but if you need a calendar, shared calendar, and you need a place to keep all of your conversations about your children, it has those features too. So it's it's well worth the download. Oh my, that's so amazing. And I so wish that that had sort of been around when I was going through what I was going through. I mean, I just, we should have these tools. We, they're 
absolutely crucial. I think, and actually in a nice way, having something, a piece of technology like that, which is completely neutral, is essential. I mean, it's it's such a brilliant idea. Well done you, aren't you clever? <laughs> <laughs> That's all we have time for today. Ulrika, thank you so much for sharing your personal story with us. It's been a pleasure talking to you. If people want to find out more about you and your journey, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at Ulrika Johnson Official. That's brilliant. And if you enjoyed listening, you can find more of our podcasts and subscribe for updates by visiting thedivorcepodcast.com. Ulrika Johnson, thank you very much. Thank you.